travel isn't as expensive as people think it is. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, yeah, I'm flying to for me. I'm flying to Bali in about three weeks, four about four weeks time to Bali. That was two hundred and fifteen dollars return. And when it comes to real estate um, and making money, you don't get confetti, you don't get a congratulations party. Life just gradually gets better day by day, month by month, year by mm. year. There's no just one day that it just the, the hat drops and you're like, oh my god. It just slowly starts to get better. I'm starting to go on a lot bigger trips. I'm starting to spend more money on my trips. So get to 50 countries. Yep. Did that at age 20. Wow. Uh, second goal was to get to 100 countries by the age of 25. Welcome back to the Post School Podcast, the life guide you didn't even know you needed. This is your chance to learn about all the wacky, wonderful, inspiring, and downright insane stuff that normal people like you and I have done after high school. The Post School Podcast aims to leave you feeling motivated to chase your dreams by dispelling the myth that life is mediocre. Through the stories of incredible people who are doing incredible things with their lives, you and I will learn just how not boring life really is in the big wide world. Are you ready? Let's go. Douglas, thanks for joining me on the Post School Podcast. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I want to start today off with a question because I'm super interested in this one. Yeah. Do you reckon you've spent more time this year? So halfway through the year, do you reckon you've spent more time this year in Australia or overseas? Overseas, 100%. Bro, the life. Living <laughs> the life. We're going to get into how you make that possible, but do you want to give us a little rundown of, of sort of who you are? Um, I'm Douglas Leslie Kirk. I'm from the Central Coast, New South Wales. Lived there all my life. Um, I've worked at Woolworths for coming up to 14 years now. I'm also a school teacher. I've been doing that for about six years now. Both jobs are casually. I don't work full time. Um, and I also have six properties. I got into property when I was a bit younger and, um, yeah. And then in my free time, I just travel around the world and, you know, now I'm getting older, money, more money's coming in. I'm able to do a lot more and that's a pretty good wrap about me. I yeah, think. Bro, that's an awesome story. This is like, we came across each other about a year ago now or just over a year ago. At that point, you had four properties. Yeah. And I remember we jumped on a Zoom call and you were telling me about the process of how you sort of got into that. And from that moment, I was just like, oh, this guy's got it figured out. <laughs> like it's it's such a, for me, like with my values and where I see happiness lying, yeah. that's the sort of life that I want to be living. It's being able to just wake up one day and be like, I'm going to go here today. Yeah. I'm going to do this today. Yeah. Knowing that there's money in the bank account still. Yeah. Because that's, that's the reason why we don't do that sort of stuff. That's often the preventer of freedom. Yeah. It's like thinking about where the, where the next paycheck's going to come from. Well, that's the thing. And people get stuck into a full-time job. And that's completely fine if you love your job and you like what you do. But they get in that full-time routine there, getting paid every week, every sec, every fortnight, every month. And that's just that consistency that you get comfortable with. Mm. While with me, I've only ever worked casually. And I, I'm not stuck. And oh, this week, I'm going to get 1000 This week, I'm going to get 2000 I'm able to go and do what I want to do. There's a good quote, how it works is, um, you know, money, you're, you're the car and um, you're, the money is the fuel. And yeah. without fuel, without money, the car doesn't go anywhere. Mm. You can be the best looking car possible, but without fuel, you're not going anywhere. Yeah, I like that. So money definitely has a good route behind it all, but, you know, enjoying yourself, being able to do what you want to do, you know, that comes with having money, obviously, but, you know, yeah, it's it's an important aspect of it. And I've definitely dug deep into trying to get as much capital as I can at a young age to then enjoy my life, you know, sacrifice the 20s for my 30s, 40s, 50s and so on. Yeah. How old are you now? 28 now. 28. When did this whole journey start? Journey started probably when I, f I took my first trip overseas. That's when it all started. Yeah, right. First trip was to Thailand, country number one. 
family vacation, um, had a great time, got back home, just wanted to go back again. And it took about two years before I got on my next flight, and that was just to Bali and um, Brunei. So that was um, country two and three. And then ever since I turned 18, since I was able to travel my own, um, I took off. The first goal was to get to 50 countries. Yep. Did that at age 20. Wow. Uh, second goal was to get to 100 countries by the age of 25. And when I was 24, I hit 100 countries and all seven wonders of the world at age 24. And then um, now it's by age 30 to get to 150, which I'll get that next year. <laughs> wow. Dude. <laughs> Do you organize all these trips yourself? Everything. 100%. And that's, that's the... That's the like for me personally, people always ask me, you know, how do you do it? What's, and I say, do it yourself. Yeah. I don't rely on other people. I, I book, orchestrate, I pay. Everything is 100% myself. Um, I'm, I'm really switched on with it all. I have trips planned. Um, I actually have about 12 trips at the moment planned. Really? Already booked at the moment as we speak. Wow. On top of everything I've already done. And how far into the future are those booked? Latest ones in March. Yeah, right. Okay. For next year. All different countries? Um, so, some I'm going back to the same countries, but um, the March one, for example, is going to Greece. And then from Greece, I'll go to Morocco or Egypt and I'll expand from there to different places. Yeah. But yeah. Wow. <laughs> how, did you, how did you fund this in the early days? Um, Woolworths. Yep. I was a casual worker, um, weekend rates. I'd work Saturday and Sunday. Um, I'd probably work one or two days during the week when I was at uni, going through uni. And I travel isn't as expensive as people think it is. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, yeah, I'm flying to for me. I'm flying to Bali in about three weeks, to f- four about four weeks time to Bali. That was two hundred and fifteen dollars return. How'd you do that? I just booked flights to Bali for eight hundred return. It depends when you're going. It depends how far in advance you book it. Depends when there's a sale. Yeah. Um. I'm. I see a cheap flight. I book it last month. I was a, a fare to Hawaii. I'm um, sorry to Fiji for three fifty. So I'm going to Fiji in two weeks. That was three hundred and fifty dollars. Um. Hawaii I get for like three twenty return. Europe, oh, you're going to love this one. I just flew to Europe and Dubai, and that was $950 for everything. Wait. 950 return. Return for everything. Just flights or like That's accommodations? Just That's just for okay. flights. That's 950 return to Europe and Dubai. Wow. Yeah. So it was a five-hour flight I got for 10 euro. I caught a five-hour flight for 10 euro. How? Where do you find these? It's just Where all, are you looking? I know. I, I'm just really interested in it all. There's all these different airlines, and um, I just go online, and I search. I find different routes. And I just searched, like, it's just, it's a hobby of mine, I guess. I just go on and I have good knowledge about different airlines, different routes and where they're going. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, I'm, I'm consistent in trying to find what I want to get. Mm. And, I, and there's, there's definitely, you have to time it. Um, a flight will come up, I think, in three days. I booked three trips to Europe in three different days a couple of weeks ago because the flights just get coming cheaper and I just booked another cheap flight, yeah. booked that. As soon as they come up, you've just got to book it straight away. There's no time for... For wasting to, to think, oh, am I going to go or am I not going to go? You see the fare, you book it. That's that's a really good point because I think the biggest hesitation for people is, can I get time off work? Do I have any events on? All these questions come up when it's time to book mm-hmm. and that's why they hesitate and don't do it. Yes. How did you get out from the casual work to the, I can do whatever I want whenever I want? That mentality is so hard to get out of, so hard. And I only just got out of it. I would say late last year for the first time. Um, I was work, work, work. I was putting work always first. Um, I knew there was an end. I would be able to get out of it. But to get out of that was so hard. And the best way to just... I thought about it a lot because it's very hard. For even my dad today, like, he wants you at work because he's worked all his life. That's all he knows. And I'm like, you know, I don't have to be at work today. I can take a day off. 
Um, the, the way out of it, the best way to, to describe it is I go for Manly Seagulls. Go really? Manly. Yeah, go Manly. Yeah, <laughs> go for the Seagulls. It's, and I go for Manly because my family go for Manly and my other family go for Manly. Everyone just goes for Manly in my family, so I go for Manly. And it's like you have to start going for a different team. And they're not going to like you for going for a different team. And the other team might be losing at the beginning, but you can see potential in this different team. Mm -hmm. And then you start going for a different team. You're doing everything opposite to what your family know and who they go for. And then you start going for that different team. Then that team starts winning and then people start to see how good that team is. And then they start going for that team as well. That's what it's like. It's, it's getting out of that routine it's very, very hard. It's very hard. And I'm still yeah. adju I'm still adjusting to it now that, hey, I can wake up and I can do this and I can do that. And um, there was a guy, oh, I forget his name now. He's, he's an Australian and um, especially, in, he's a real estate guru. And when it comes to real estate um, and making money, you don't get confetti. You don't get a congratulations party. Life just gradually gets better day by day, month by month, year by mm. year. There's no just one day that it just, the, the hat drops and you're like, oh my God. It just slowly starts to get better. I'm starting to go on a lot bigger trips. I'm starting to spend more money on my trips. I'm starting to to go and do things I would have never have done before. And that's just day by day by day. And I'm starting to realize that potential now. Yeah. How does how has the how do I phrase this question? What's the ratio between income from property and income from your job? So the property side of business, um, six properties, I look at them all separately. That's how I set them up. I don't. I combine them at the end, but they're all separate. If one's not doing well, how can I fix that? So I put them all separately, and then all the money I get from the property, I reinvest back into the property. I'm right. not taking. I'm not taking profit from the property. The money that I earn from working casually, that's my play money. I can do whatever I want with that money, and huh. that's what I go and spend on travel. That pays for fuel. That pays for food, and that right. Just so you're that. still just doing all this travel from your job. That's correct. Yeah, that's paying for it. Wow. The job's paying for it. But I only have to work six, seven days a month, and that's going to be enough to last me the next month. How? Please explain that to me. <laughs> I work, if I work, if I work a fortnight, okay, so I make 750 bucks a week. 750 for, a week. For two and a half days of work. Okay. Each week. Okay, well. And I could not see myself traveling as often as you do yeah. on that wage. Um. I'm earning a bit, well, as a casual teacher, you can look up online how much casual teachers make, but um, I'm on the top band at the moment, so it is quite yeah, I'm, it is quite a lot of money for a day's worth of work. And then also, when I'm traveling, I, I was just in Dubai about three weeks ago, I was in Dubai, and I didn't spend a cent there. I didn't spend one cent. I was staying in hotels, they all had business lounges, they have breakfast included, um, they had shuttle buses going to where I had. I had a car, which I the only thing I paid for was fuel for the car. But the whole, the whole trip was paid for um, when I was there because I was staying in these hotels because I'm like a platinum member, so right. I get all these benefits. And I my mum was with me on that trip. And my mum said to me, I, I couldn't believe it. She goes, it's cheaper for me to be overseas traveling with you than it would be for me at home. Huh. It's cheaper wow. overseas to be traveling with me than it is being at home. Is that but just then, because of Australia's cost of living? Cost of living in Australia... Also, when you're here, you know, you, you, know, you go to the shops, you're spending money, you, you know, you're getting, you're getting your fuel, you're, just, you're paying for everything, you know, you're wear and tear on the car. When, you're, when I'm overseas, you know, we're in an airport, I get all the business lounges in the airport, and um, so we don't have to buy, buy any food before the flight. And then when we arrive, there might be a lounge there, so I get a lounge there, and I go to a hotel, and there's a lounge there, and there's breakfast included, and, and mm. we're in the city, so we can just walk around everywhere or catch a metro. It's just, I've definitely, well... 700 flights I've taken. I've definitely been able to... Wow. I've definitely been able to um, find the tricks of the trade to to work through and make mm. travel as cheap and enjoyable as well. 
I feel like every international trip that I've been on, something has gone wrong. Okay. Now, you've done a lot of international travel. Yes. Does much go wrong? Definitely. Definitely. Um, you How need, do you deal with that? You need to be ready for it. I have travel insurance. Um, I always, I get that with my credit card and it's like the top travel insurance you can get. So um, I, I do have a bit of a buffer zone there. When I travel to some other countries, which you can't travel, well, you're not supposed to be traveling to like dangerous ones. You're not um, insured there. When things go wrong, you just have to roll with the punches. There's nothing really you can do. Um, just on Sunday, I was flying to Norfolk Island, got to the airport, the flight was canceled. Mm. Two nights, they put me up in Sydney in a hotel. So I was going for a week, I only went for a five-day trip. Brutal. So like, it, just, it, it, just, it just happens, you know. Yeah. You just have to roll with the punches and, you know, there's no use crying or kicking about it. You know, flights might be delayed, you might get to a hotel and it's not as good as you expected it to be or you might get lost or someone might give you wrong instructions like this. And that's the thing I love about travelling so much. When I'm in Australia, I say it's easy. When I'm at home, it's very, very easy. Um, I've got my routine going to work, coming home. I've got my routine of, you know, going to see my parents and whatever. And then when I'm overseas, I'm doing currency exchange. I'm doing, find, finding out how to get to a destination. I'm speaking, you know, having to speak different languages and point at signs. And my brain's getting used 100,000 times more. Mm. And um, I, it's a quote that I came up with. It's easier to be at home than it is to be traveling. Yeah. It's harder traveling. Do you enjoy that? I enjoy it 100% I do. It's part of yeah. the thrill. Yeah, exactly right. Like, <laughs> and I, I say this all the time. It's the only place to really learn and grow is when you're uncomfortable. Definitely. It's, it's when you push that comfortability zone. Definitely. So I guess, and like I think personally, there's so much to learn from overseas travel yeah. and seeing other cultures, experiencing other cultures, just being around a life that's so different to your own. Yeah. Do you have any major life lessons that you've learned? When, when you when you travel, like you said, there's just so many... Un, it's, you, you don't know what's going to happen. There's so much that you can learn from it. From what, what I've learned from traveling is um, being on time. That's a big one. All the flights and just being being at places on time for tours and things like that. Um, meet, meeting people, just, you know, getting out of your comfort zone, mm. being in places that you're uncomfortable that you don't really know, um, in cities and towns. Um, there's just... It's endless, really, what travel, what travel can do. And you know, yeah. I, I do wish many people can go and travel. And the thing about it is also when you travel to one place, you discover more places and then you, it, it keeps expanding. The world just keeps getting bigger mm. and bigger and bigger and bigger. Do you find it hard to keep really deep relationships because you're always in different places? Yes. Yeah, I would say I would. Um, do, you, do you find that is like a sacrifice or does the travel side of things, like does, do you value that more than the relationships that you're missing out on? I'm valuing the travel more. I'm valuing the travel more. Um, I'm missing engagement parties, weddings. Um, I know it sounds dumb, but like, you know, I can't even watch television because, uh, you know, maths might be on, for example. <laughs> I, I'm not going to be there for the 10 weeks to watch the maths. Yeah. And you know, then you're overseas and like it doesn't work overseas. But, not, but um, that's probably a bad example. But yeah, I definitely do miss out on a lot of things. I can't, like, I love playing basketball and soccer. I can't even play basketball and soccer at home because mm. I'm not there to, for a team. I'm not consistent enough to be there and play. But yeah, I'm definitely prioritizing the travel over those types of things. Are there days where you think that you should just chill for a few months so you can do those things that you feel like you're missing out on? It'd be hard to chill for a few months, I think. Yeah. Um, even during COVID, um, that was a struggle. Um, I'm home for 10 days at the moment, which is probably like the longest time I've been home this year. Wow. And I'm, 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 don't get me wrong, I am over the moon about it. I'm so happy. I'm glad I'm here for 10 days. And then the next trip's only for a weekend. Um, that's to Fiji. And then I'll be back for a couple of days again. So... I'm feeling very good at the moment. Um, definitely the last last month, I got back from overseas from a Europe trip. I was home for two days. 
went on a cruise for eight days, got back for a night, and then I was overseas again. Right. So wow. it's been, yeah, it's been a lot. But yeah, 10 days. I think 10 days is a good. Go to work for a couple of days. Yeah. Get over that. And then go yeah, away again. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, well, that's what, that's what I'm wondering. Like, how, where do you find the time to, to do that day job? The, um, I'm, I've got very good employees, um, and I'm able to give them a call and be like, hey, I'm back home now. Do you mind if I come into work? And they'll get me into work. Yeah. You know, it goes on supply and demand, obviously. But, um, you know, I think I'm a good employee and they like me and I like them. So get, get, getting getting work is never a stress for me. Yeah. And it's like even, you know, there's signs everywhere we're hiring and things like that. And even when there's no jobs, I really like it's just a mentality. Like I would go on the street and put a sign up and be like, looking for work, we'll do any. Like I'm just mm. that type of person. There's always a way to make it happen. Yeah. Is there a point where you're going to settle down? Don't know. Everyone's telling me there is. <laughs> you know, that they told me I can't travel and go to uni. They said, you, you know, once you finish uni, you're going to have to get a job and you won't be able to travel. And, you know, they're telling me that you won't be able to get another house. And you know, everyone's telling me, everyone's a guru and telling me what, what, what's right and what's wrong, what I can and can't do. But um, I think one day there's going to have to be a point where I'll settle down somewhere yeah. and do something. Um, but at this stage, you know, unless I find something that's better than what I'm doing, I'm going to keep doing what I think's best. Mate, this is the reason that I keep asking these tough questions and I hope everyone's really listening intently at this point is because I want to show people that you don't have to live like everyone else. Like this is, your entire aura is that. Like fuck what they think. Just do what you want to do. And and it's so possible and so doable. You just have to set your mind to it. And like the coolest thing that I've learned from this is you don't need to be a multimillionaire property owner. You can still fund a lifestyle like this through a normal day job. It's not that far out of reach. That's, that's pretty cool. That, that, that's exactly right. Um, I was on a Woolworths wage all the way up until I was 20, 23 years old working at Woolies. On, I think the highest Woolworths wage I got was like $37,000. Yeah, and I, wow. got to, I got to basically 100 countries on less than 37000 a year income. Wow. Yeah, well, there it is. It, it doesn't matter right. if it's Woolies or Coles or in a bakery or if it's working at a coffee shop. It definitely is possible. It's just you need to get your priorities where you want to have them and be, mm. be willing to learn. And adapt and get out, get out of your comfort zone. You know, everyone's just used to doing the matrix of you know getting going to school, finishing school. You're getting told what to do. Then you go to university, being told what time your classes are, and a little bit of choice with that. And then you go and get a job, and then you get and then you get stuck into the job. And hmm. where's the time? You know, for yourself, put yourself first. How do you deal with the uncertainty side of things? Like with in terms of what happens if I don't have time to make enough money this month. I, I, you just don't. I've ne- it I've just never, doesn't come know, across. Doesn't, that doesn't come across my mind at all. I've never had to. I don't know if that's cocky or I don't know what that. I don't know. I don't know what that comes across <laughs> as. But um, no. I've I've with money. I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry about money. Um, worst case scenario. Obviously, I've got my properties. Um, worst case, sell one of them. I don't ever mm. want to sell one of them. Um, I'm a long term investor. But um, worst case, I can sell a property and obviously I get a lot of money from that. Mm. But um, I've I've got. I think I've got like nine accounts, nine bank accounts. Wow. <laughs> it's, a three, it's a $3 million business I have. Yeah. It's, um, it, it starts to expand and get big and big and big. Um, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's, a lot, there's a lot happening definitely. And that takes up a lot of my time. Like yeah. today, I spent four hours on the computer this morning just, just going over numbers and numbers and numbers. And mm. that four hours might be worth the equivalent of someone doing 50 hours worth of work for the week. I just have to do four hours. That's my work done. Yeah. We're going to pivot here because... This property thing is something that I'm super interested in. Yeah. And I think it's really good to have you here because you can give us that really in-depth overlook 
as someone who's currently doing it, not as someone who's already done it and said, this is how I did it. Yeah. It's like, you're still building that, which Definitely. is really cool because it's not a, like, I feel like most of the advice out there is from someone who has the multi-billion dollar Grant Cardone property portfolio. Yeah. And it's like, that's all well and good, but like, I don't have $4 million that I can leverage off. Yeah. Like I'm starting from scratch here. Yeah. What was the process for that first property? Process for the first property, I got lucky. I definitely got lucky. Um, I bought the house next door to my dad and I um, I never saw myself as a property investor or making money through property. Um, I always knew the travel was going to be a big thing. But when I got the first property, I bought that for 280000 About a year later, it was valued at about 400000 wow. So I was like, in one year, I've made $120,000 in one year. I'm like, this is insane that's more basically more money than i've earned working at Woolworths for six seven years yeah I was, this is i was like whoa I, ne- I need to look more into it um i started learning the tricks to the trade dealing with real estate agents dealing with tenants like, i had no experience whatsoever with that reading a lot of articles watching videos just mm-hmm. things like that um i went to get my second property to leverage from the first one obviously i made a bit of money from that i'm like okay i can get, go get my second one now i feel comfortable casual wage they wouldn't give me the loan they just wouldn't it just wasn't going to work. So I had to go 50-50 with my sister. Um, I'd read that as well. There's different ways you can always get around it. You go thirds, you go fourths, you go 50-50. You can increase your income somehow. You can get a promotion. There's different ways. I went the road with my sister. Um, we got our, we bought one together. And then I got the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth following that, just following the same. I did all the rest on my own, following the same rinse and repeat, leveraging the money that I had, um, having tenants in all my properties, and a good thing to note as well, I started with nothing. And I, I, people hate when I say that, but I was just the average dude. I went to a public school. Um, I have three sisters. Um, no one in my family had ever, in my immediate family, had ever been to university. I'm not saying you have to go to university, but it was just I was just working at Woolies on a casual wage, just on the weekends. Um, and I, I've been able to make all of this happen. And I, I, ha- I honestly do have the belief, doesn't matter who you are, or where you're from, it might be harder for others, but it's still possible. Mm. It still is possible. It's pretty inspiring, dude. How did you How did you build that first deposit? First deposit that was a f- house two hundred eighty thousand was twenty eight thousand deposit. That was a saving at Woolworths. Just putting money aside every week, every every fortnight. It didn't take long. Twenty eight thousand wasn't that difficult mm. to raise over a, over a long period of time. Um, and then once it's funny, once I got that twenty eight thousand for that first house, I've never had to put any of my own money into property really? again. Once that's you, really cool. That's people, people, people forget. Once, once I'll give you a little lesson here. Here we go. Once you get your first deposit, you never have to save for a deposit again. So my house went up to four hundred thousand from two hundred eighty. That's one hundred twenty thousand. I can leverage up to about a hundred thousand dollars. So I can go to the bank and take a hundred thousand dollars out. That's my next deposit. So, okay, explain that to. Actually, explain that to me. So. What does that mean you can leverage the $120,000? Because your property has gone up X amount of money, in my case, $120,000, you go to the bank and say, hey, I've got a loan for $280,000 minus the thirty, dollars so it's $250,000 my loan. I've got a $250,000 loan, but my house is worth $400,000. They send a man or woman out and they say, yep, it is worth $400,000. The bank go, wow, you've got, you know, if, if something goes wrong, you've got a lot of extra money there you can go and take part of that money out from the bank. Uh-huh. Yeah. See, that is the explanation that I've never heard before. You can go. You can't take it all. You can take up to 80%. Right. So on 150000 I could have taken about 110000 120000 out. Okay. So that makes more sense. So you've got the first property. You've got yep. the mortgage. Yep. 
the price of or the value of the property almost doubles. Yep. So now you have all this extra money there. Equity. That if you sell the property, you get the well, you get, you get all of that. Yeah. And you obviously pay back the loan. But rather than doing that, mm-hmm. you just say, hey, like the loan's only half the value of the property. Yes. So can I take a bit more? Yes. And there's your cash That's, for the next. They deposit. just lump some that cash in there. You have to tell them that they're going to want to know why. And you can say, I'm going to buy a house. I'm going to buy a car. I'm going to go on a holiday. Um, they don't really like the holiday too much, but um, you have to sometimes do a stat deck to say, yes, you're going to purchase a property or sometimes they'll say, go and find the property and then, um, give us the building, the, um, the loan, um, whatever the, um, the contract, and then they will give you the, um, the money once you show them the contract. Right. And that's your deposit done. And then you get another loan. So you've got your 120,000 for your deposit and go and get another loan. Wow. Keep so, repeating. So what was, what was the trouble for you getting that second loan? My wage. Okay. My wage. I was a casual worker. I wasn't working full time. I wasn't making enough money. The -hmm. first one was completely fine. I was getting over the line for that. But then I was going from a $250,000 loan to altogether $750,000. Right. Same bank or different bank? I was going to a different bank. Okay. Yeah. So they they looked at your first loan and your, I guess, hourly rate because you're working casual. Yeah. And they said that you're not making enough to service both loans at the same time. That's correct. Despite the equity that you had in the first property? That's correct. Right. Yeah, which I was a bit surprised about. Mm. I tried very, very, very hard. I was working many, many hours, two jobs, couldn't couldn't get it over the line, just wasn't going to work. Yeah, right. But point being, you made it work somehow. I made it work, yes. And now you've got all six. Yes. That's pretty cool. I still have the second one is still 50-50 with my sister. Yeah. That's still, but all the others are 100% of my name there. They're mine, mm-hmm. yeah. And you said before the profit that you earned from those, are, are all your properties positively geared? Not all of them, no. Um, none of them are negative. There are more so neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, I have about three that are neutral and then three which are positively geared. And one, the first one that I bought, um, which was the cheapest one, funnily enough, um, that's, that's um, making me the most money and has made me the most money. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Quick rundown of two hundred eighty thousand dollar home. Two hundred eighty thousand dollars home. The first one. The first one, yeah. Yeah, wow. Don't get me wrong. How long ago was that? That was two thousand sixteen. Wow. So you're looking at six years ago. Yeah. In six years. It's incredible. Yeah. What's give us a quick rundown of what positive gearing is. Positive gearing is if you're the balance between the the paying so you've got you got the you got the loan, you have to repay the mortgage repayments, you have to pay the um the Real estate, you have to pay insurances, you have to pay for the maintenance for it, you have to pay the rates, you have to pay the water, all the expenditures of a household that you have. If that is um, lower than the actual amount of money that you're getting, then you're positive. So let's just say I have $20,000 in rental income for the year and my expenditures to pay the um, the mortgage back, the loan on all the other things, the the real estate and the insurance, let's just say it's $15,000. Mm. I'm making $5,000 in cash flow from that. Right, so it's the excess. But then you need to remember there's three le- levers here. Your cash flow coming in of $5,000, then you've got your, um, the loan amount is going down because that's getting repaid. Mm. And then you also have the property going up in value. Yeah. So there's three ways you're sort of making money there. Mm. Plus you've got the leverage on your initial capital. Plus like then you this... get the leverage on the capital and go and get more. Yeah, like this is a thing that really <laughs> intrigues me about property. Like I compare the two and I feel like a lot of young people who don't understand property or shares compare the two often and say shares and property are the same. No. But the difference is with shares, yes, you can la- leverage capital with shares, but typically you go and put $1,000 into shares. 10% on that $1,000, you're earning a th- uh, 100 bucks. Yeah. Whereas 
with property, let's say your thousand dollars is a ten percent deposit, and you mm. leverage that, yeah. then your ten percent is double your money every year. Yes. Like it's completely different. Yes, that's the that's the power of it. Yeah, that's something that like I for the last sort of six months have been wanting to get into property, but now recently been really wanting to get into property. Okay, what is your process for finding a property in today's market? First home buyer, or for me personally, now that I'm up to six, because I look at it a little bit yeah, differently to first home buyer. Okay, first home buyer. Let's first, start with that, and then we'll go into first home buyer. There is people aren't going to like this. It is extremely easy <laughs> to um, buy a property today because there is so much um, help out there from the government with first home buyer schemes and um, different um, awards they're giving. So, if you're looking at a first home buyer, if you want to buy your first property, you need to now look at the backstory of why is the government giving all this money to help, you don't have to pay stamp duty, you only have to have a 5% deposit. Like The government wants you to buy a home. They really want young people and young families to buy a home. And you need to remember why they're doing that is because it's a business. You're going to get a mortgage. You're then going to have to repay that mortgage for the next 30 years. You're going to have to get a job to repay that mortgage. You're then going to have to um, pay the council rates for the the water. Right. You're going to have to get maintenance to fix the toilet and to fix you know the lawn or things like that. Mm-hmm. It's a, you're going to have to get an electricity. You're going to have to get an internet provider as well. Uh-huh. It, it, it's, it's a business. That's Makes why sense that, that's why, why first they, home buyers has to be like a new dwelling. That's, that, they, and they have to build the property as well yeah. and there's more people. So you need to look why the government are looking to target people to buy first homes. Mm. If it was me personally for the first home buyer, you have to live in it for six months. And if you didn't want to live in it for six months then you're going to have to forfeit getting all those benefits. So you're going to have to pay your deposit. You're going to have to not pay stamp duty. And sometimes that's a better option. The best way to get um, a first home is to go to a broker or a bank, or you can even do calculators online, which aren't that reliable, and find out how much can you borrow. Let's say you put in an income of $70,000, and then you can borrow $300,000. You only need a $30,000 deposit for a 10% deposit on $300,000. Go on realestate.com.au. Find, search Australia, all the properties in Australia, put three bedrooms minimum under search criteria, put um, 400 metres squared or more because you want to have a little bit of land on your property, obviously, and then um, click search. You'll find thousands of properties for 300000 or below. Mm. Thousands. I think that's the easy trap to fall into growing up where I have on the yeah. beaches because property is ridiculously expensive yeah. and rental rental yields are ridiculously low as well. Yes. So it's not, it's not that attractive looking around where I live, no. but then you're right. Like I'm sure there are places around the country that have much cheaper housing and much higher yields. Yes. The thing about that is, is if you were to go and get straight out of uni or straight out of school to go and get your first job, would you expect to get the highest pay scale? No, definitely not. No, you wouldn't. If you were to go and buy your first car, would you expect to get a Ferrari or a Tesla? No, definitely not. The thing is today with how it is, is these areas now along the east coast of Australia and major capital cities, they're the Ferraris. They're the high paying scale, scale jobs. You're not going, you, you can't expect to now, just because your parents had it or maybe your friend got in five, 10 years ago, you can't expect that it's changed. These are all Ferraris now. Mm. You need to go and find that Toyota or that Honda that you can afford wherever that may be. I love that analogy. Are you up to the Ferrari yet? <laughs> um, I'm definitely up to the Tesla, I think. <laughs> um, not the, what, Ferrari, the sustainable yeah. houses? The sust- <laughs> <laughs> oh, about 100,000 range for the car, I think I, I can um, easily easily get. But um, I, again, I'm not, I'm not taking my money out. I'm just um, reinvesting it all. Yeah. And so what, what does that mean when you say reinvesting? Does that mean buying more property? 
Um, it can mean buying more property or just putting money back into it. Um, I've just spent about $50,000 on my first property. Mm -hmm. um, I, it wasn't my money. I took it out from the bank and um, leveraging it. And so my rent's going to go from $365 to $550. Right. So I've invested $50,000 cash and I'm going to now be getting, for the rest of my life, an extra $185. Okay, so value-adding to the property. Value-adding to the property, yeah. yeah. So that's, a, that's one way. Another one could be buying another one, building like a little granny flat or like a little cabin or something like that that you can mm. rent out or Airbnb. Do you ever pay down extra on the loan? Never. No way. Why? I'd rather have the money in my pocket. I can do what I want with it. That's mm -hmm. against the rules that I've been taught and that I've learnt. Right, okay. My, my, I love to be in debt as much as possible. Debt is my best friend. Yeah, debt scares, scares a lot of people. It scares a lot of people and it's not for everyone. If you know how to use it correctly, it's the most wonderful thing ever. How? Explain that to me. Um, so I'm sitting on about $1.9 worth of debt at the moment as we speak. But I've got more, just over $3 million worth of property. So I wouldn't be able to have $3 million worth of property without one point without this debt. Mm. The debt isn't a bother for me because if things go wrong, I sell the properties, I can pay off the 1.9 million and I come back with, with what I've got left. Yep. But you've got to remember on a three, let's just say $3 million um, of worth of property and they're going up 10% a year, it's $300,000 a year. Mm -hmm. That's massive. That's, yeah. So, and you have to be in debt for that. Most people have a family home, let's say a million dollar home. And that's your mum and dad or whoever, or even you know, a young family might get a million dollar home and that's going up 10% a year. They're making $100,000 a year. And that's all they're going to have that family home because that's what most people have, the one home. Mm. So that's going up $100,000 a year. But if you can then keep increasing that, obviously you have to be in debt to be able to buy more. Yeah. Then you're able to leverage that and make more money. Main point behind all this is go in debt to purchase assets. Things that you can sell if you, if you for know the value to, of the debt. Yeah, if, you, if you, yeah, I'm not going out and buying a car. Or yeah. I'm not going out and buying a holiday. Something that's going to go down in value. I'm not paying off my hex debt either. Mm. Um, that's that's staying there, which which is getting paid off obviously with tax every year that I pay. But yeah, it's it's buying things that are going to produce more money. Yeah. Okay, so if that's your principle, do you go for interest only loans? Um, well, that's at the beginning. No, at the beginning, go. I would say about half of my loans are. Um, principal and interest and the other half are interest only mm -hmm. so it's 50-50 that's how that's how I've set mine up why? Um, interest only allow you to have more cash flow more money coming through into my pocket and then I can do what I want with that money to reinvest it the principal and interest sort of is just for a safety net it's reducing the loan and um, reducing my my, uh, my debt yeah. so it's like 50-50 um, it makes it it's easier to get a property another one with an interest only loan it is easier because you're getting, you're getting more cash flow coming through, okay. which is more income. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, okay. So that cash that comes through... Is classified as income. Yeah. Personal income? It goes, yeah, it just goes on the income. Yeah. yeah. So have you... So you've got your properties in your name, not like a trust or anything like Everything's that. Everything's in my name. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Wow. This is awesome. I'm <laughs> loving this. <laughs> but there is a lot, a lot to it. And the best way to do it is just to jump in the water and buy your first one. That's the that's the best way to do it. Go and do it. Wait one. I waited two years, but wait one or two years. Understand how it how it is. What's your intentions? People say to me, "I want to buy a property. What do I do?" And me personally, I'm an investor. I'm not a homeowner. I'm not interested in moving into a home and living in a home. If you yeah. want to go and do that, I can't help you because you want to have this certain kind of backyard. You want to have this certain kind of fence. You want to have this certain type of big room for yourself. I'm not buying houses that I want to live in and that I enjoy and that I absolutely love. 
There's no feeling in it whatsoever. I'm buying a house based on numbers. Yeah. Yeah, right. I like that distinction because it is very different. It is. It is extremely different. Yeah. So when people say they want to buy a house and then they, and then I find out it's f- for themselves, I can't help you buy your beautiful family home. You know, that, mm. you, I'm going down a different path to that. Is there a point where you would ideally like to have paid off all your debt? Oh, I'm not thinking about that. This, this Does it time, restrict you at all? Having the debt yeah. doesn't stop me from doing anything. No, the, the debt. People are in a lot more debt than I am. Um, and it, it might be all on my own, but considering how much my properties have gone up in value, it's not really that much of a risk compared to other people. If I had $1.9 million worth of debt and $2 million worth of property, it might be an issue. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with the property going up, I can keep leveraging that. Um, it is in your back of your mind sometimes when you you know when people find out how much debt you're in or you know everyone's always a naysayer oh you're in so much debt all these interest rates are gonna kill you you know but like I said it's a numbers game Mate, like, just wave to them from uh, Dubai <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah like I, I I can't I can't listen no, no one's on the same path as me I, I I'm paving my own path yeah yeah I like that um, with the like I guess with the whole property thing. How would you say a lot of the increase in the value of your properties is through luck, or do you think you actually just really understood it before you went into it and have made the right decisions? Made the right decisions. I, 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 luck How has, do you get to that point? Luck has something to do with it. Luck definitely has something to do with it. But um, I definitely I spend hours and hours and hours looking online, looking at different locations, looking up to find out what the growth is. It's actually I simplified a lot. You can really get into the numbers. You can pay online I've never done it before you can pay online and they give you all the numbers and all these statistics and stuff realestate.com.au that's that's mm-hmm. the man you yeah. know that's, that's the god that's what I use and um it, it's it's very simple if you just want to see a straight line going up you don't want to see property in an area going up down up down you just want to see it consistently going up and mm-hmm. it's going to continue happening like that what sort of things in and around the area would create an environment like that what sort of things do you look for like hospitals de- de- definitely i'm um, always when i find a property i'll find out how far it is from a war or coles or audi mm-hmm. find out how far a bunnings warehouse is find out um, about a school how close schools are find out about a hospital an airport those types of things that are definitely um needed to be on the radar mm-hmm. but i'm um, one of my best properties i've also bought is um in grafton mm-hmm. which um that's 45 minutes from coffs harbour coffs harbour is so expensive mm-hmm. so people are now moving out to Grafton because it's only 45 minutes away and Grafton has a jail there they have yeah. you know a Woolworths they have Maccas and they have they still have all the services and it's 45 minutes from the beach Grafton's like the central coast to the beaches slash Sydney yeah yeah right so, yeah. yeah what's that called suburbanisation yeah exurbanisation so, but, but the thing is property's going up in um, Coffs Harbour so it's increasing mm-hmm. the prices of Grafton as well yeah because it's and people obviously want to live there and that's I think right. this coastal living lifestyle isn't going to go out of date oh, anytime never. soon that's, a, that's Australia yeah like we're always going to love that if yeah, you can 100%. find a property near the coast like you're oh, pretty sad yeah if, if, you, if you're near a beach you can't go wrong yeah, at all but 100%. they're becoming quite expensive now yeah is there ever a point where so we spoke before about the things that you'd like to see in the area is there a point where you've missed the boat um not I all my, all my properties um I had a newspaper article actually written about me um last late last year and I remember on one of the comments um it said this guy's picked all winners it's unbelievable <laughs> like um you know it's it, that, that luck does play a role in it but with me so far no I haven't um I've bought two in Hobart I've got um three on the central coast and one in Grafton they're all in pretty standout locations where there's a lot of services and a lot mm-hmm. of roads um I haven't really gone out into the country and bought cheaper houses out there which have 
good rental yields, like good returns. I haven't done that yet. Could be a possibility for the future. Um, but yeah, no, nah, I've yeah. definitely been um, quite successful with where I've picked. Have you ever struggled to get tenants? Never, never, no, I've never had a struggle with tenants before. No, um, the first property I had, I had a tenant move in and after two weeks they didn't like it and I was stuck into a contract and I don't want unhappy people living in the home. Yeah. So I just let them go and a week later I had someone else in there mm. um, getting tenants. That's something people stress about a lot as well. But I've never, I've, I don't worry. You have real estate managers. They take nice photos. They put it online. You can always reduce the rent, yep. you know, to get people in to make it more attractive. True. There's different ways you can go about it. That's a great point because I think whenever I've brought it up with people who are older than I am, their first comment is, "Would like yes, you can service the loan with a tenant, but would you be able to service three months without a tenant?" Mm. And I'm like, "Well, probably not. Like I'd be <laughs> scraping the barrel." But yeah. it's a good point. Like if you really need tenants, yeah. drop the drop the the rate by fifty bucks a week. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's like you're still getting money into your bank That's account. Correct. It might not be the perfect amount. Like yeah. you might be negatively geared a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But you're still going to get money into the bank account. That's right. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Want to do ten under ten? Yeah, let's do it. All right, bro. Let's wrap it up. All right. That was a very quick 40 minutes. <laughs> That's 40 minutes already. Yeah, dude. Wow. I know. It's crazy, hey? Question one. Yep. Favorite book? Some kids asked me this the other week, actually, in class. Guinness, World of, um, Guinness Book of World Records. Which year? <laughs> <laughs> when I was younger, I used to read all the years. I don't know. It's, it's Book, reading's reading. So yeah. um, I, I enjoy reading all the statistics and all the different things and all the you know, the, the world's best. Yeah, mate, the only one I remember was the Green Book. I don't know what year it was, but the Green Book. I think I got that in like year three or four. Maybe someone can tell us when they can find it. Yeah. <laughs> Send us a message and let us yeah, know what the Green it. one is. Um, most motivating quote? Most motivating quote, do it yourself. I like it. Nike, just do it. Just do, do it yourself. Just do it. Midnight snack? Caramel or chocolate. Ooh. Nice. <laughs> Brush your teeth after, I hope. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, what's been one of your scariest moments? Scariest moments would have been when I was in I was in Jerusalem in Israel and I went over to Bethlehem, which is in Palestine. Bit of conflict happening. Um, I was on a bus, a local bus, and a few armed soldiers came on with guns. And um, yeah, they're like, you know, just rolling up and down, showing their authority. I was pretty scared. That was, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, my heart would be in my chest. Beating hard in my chest. Yeah. My heart my heart is in my chest. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, most rewarding win? Most rewarding win. You're going to like this. <laughs> Every day. Waking up in the morning, another day, just being happy. That's mm-hmm. the most rewarding win. Just, you know, just... Being, being able to enjoy life. That's the most rewarding win. It's not this one particular thing. It's just every day. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Best mistake you've made? Best mistake I've made? Was it my mistake? It was my parents' mistake. My parents got divorced. Huh. It was the hardest thing that's ever happened to me. And when they got divorced, I say if they didn't get divorced, I wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah, right. It definitely made me a lot stronger. I like that. It does build resilience. Again, I'm looking at the positive side of things, you know, yeah. as sad as it is, I love my parents to be together, but um, yeah, they broke up when I was 12 years old and I had to build everything myself from mm. there. But mate, if there's one thing to take away from today, it is that optimistic outlook that you have. Yeah. Like it's very easy. If every thought is negative, mm. life becomes negative. 100%. If every thought is positive, life becomes positive. 100%. Um, what's your ideal place to live? Ideal place to live by the beach. Okay, good yeah. answer. By the ocean. I yeah. need to be by the ocean, I think. Anywhere by the ocean? Um, 
I love the Central Coast where I live, but um, the other place that I've gone, um, Gold Coast. I don't mm-hmm. know. There's something about the. I do have family on the Gold Coast, but I love the Gold Coast. It's a good vibe there. Yeah, it's a cool vibe. Yeah. Um, most surreal experience. Most surreal experience. Last year, I flew a plane on my own. Really? Yeah, I flew That's solo. Sick. I flew solo. Yeah, I'm learning to become a pilot. And last year, I was um in a plane on my own, flying it, looking around, and I was like, "Holy moly! Like this is." This wow. is living Barry, like this is it. Like that's the most I was like, it's a day you never forget. Mate, you just want cheaper flights than you already get. <laughs> um, what's one thing you want to do before you die? One thing I want to do before I die. I want to go to Antarctica. I want to go to Antarctica. That's the only continent I haven't been to. Um, and just with COVID that stopped me from going there. And it's just I think I know when I get there it'll be like that's like a, a piece of a puzzle that's been missing. Mm. Uh, I just love the natural beauty of it all. And I, I'm not more, it might not be ambitious, but um, it's definitely, oh, well, it is ambitious to you know, Antarctica. Not many people get to go there, but yeah, I'd love to go to Antarctica. Yeah, sick. Question 10 Who inspires you? Who or what? Who inspires me? People like yourself. People, Grant Cardone, Gary Vees, people online. Um, I spend a lot of time on TikTok, on Instagram, scrolling through, listening to people like you that are putting positivity on the world, trying to make the trying to make the world better like you have think feel do better that's that's what inspires me other other people mm. it might not just be one person but it's the mo- the momentum and the move and what's happening that's Mate, what inspires me i love that answer <laughs> that is the perfect way to wrap it up <laughs> douglas thank you so much for joining me on the post school podcast thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure Sweet as, another story shared and another lesson learned. If you've made it this far, I'd be stoked if you could take a minute to give the show a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. With your support, we can both empower more young people to chase their dreams. If you have any questions about today's episode, make sure to jump on Instagram and send me a DM at Uncle Nathan Co. Or head to the website at UncleNathan.com to join our community. All right, enough from me. Thank you so much for your support and I'll catch you next time.